God, we thank you that we can gather today, that we can join with our family in your presence. God, we thank you that we can sing your praise aloud. God, we thank you for the way that you love us, for the way that you pour your love into our lives in a way that is undeserved and unmerited. God, we thank you for your grace. Your grace which changes everything for us. And God, we, we just thank you so much that we can gather today in your name. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to church. Welcome online and in home hubs. And welcome also if you are in the room. It is great to have everyone gathering together in all the ways today. Take a moment. Just say good day to somebody around you in a COVID safe way. Fine. If you're at home, you can hug each other. Just take a seat. You can continue those conversations afterwards. Um, again, in your home hub, you can talk the whole time if you want. I won't know. Also, while I'm talking to you, you can be filling out um, online cards, which will be popping up in your chat if you're online or in a home hub. Um, you can be filling out a next step card or a connect card or um, any anything that you need to communicate with the church, you can be doing that now. So you can pop your devices out, anyone here, and fill in a card, I won't mind. And while your devices are out, you can also be checking in using the online app or if you're in the online chat, we also will know that you're there as well. But we really like when you do that because we can tell that you were here. A couple of things to know. Uh, Reverse Advent calendar boxes are out in the foyer. Um, So if you're in the room, you can take one with you as you leave today. They actually need to be back here in two weeks' time. So on the 12th, we will have just a sea of boxes around the Christmas tree. So make sure that you do that. If you're um, at home or in a a hub, um, you can pop in during the week if you don't already have your box. So um, it's getting pretty urgent. You're supposed to put one thing in a day, but you might have to double up and do two things a day if you haven't got your box already. Um, So that's great. And also in three weeks' time, just to save the date, we're having carols on the lawn. So that's something that we did last year. This year we'll be doing it twice. So the morning service will actually be 11 a.m. in three weeks' time. And then there'll be a nighttime one as well at 6 p.m. So make sure you invite all your friends to that. And it'd be great if our church community can come to the 11 a.m. one and then you'll be all ready to serve and help at the 6 p.m. one. That would be fabulous. Um, So that's all you need to know from your newsletter. Uh, Everything else is in your newsletter, rather. Um, So make sure you keep reading through that because there is lots of things going on at the moment. Um, I might just pray. So we'll pray and, um, yeah, just if we can consider the offering. We don't talk about the offering much at the moment because it just seems to happen in the background. Um, If you're in the room, we have the offering box at the back if you prefer to give with with cash and um, everyone else like direct giving is um, perhaps the easiest way of uh, 
uh, giving your offering now, but also it's a way where we can forget that we've done that and um, kind of not even consider what we've done. So let's just take a moment as we pray um, uh, to consider our offering that we've maybe already done this week. And also just one more bit of family news. So Phil is in the room here somewhere. I know he is because I saw him before. There he is. He's up the back. Um, Phil's been a big part of our church for the last few years and um, you will all know Phil from his uh, service on the piano um, during all those weeks where everyone else was locked out and we were locked in. So thanks, Phil. Um, He's heading off um, to a new posting. Is this your last Sunday, absolutely, or next Sunday? But make sure you you take this opportunity today or next Sunday to say g'day and see you later, Phil, and wish him all the best for his next um, chapter. Thanks, Phil. All right, let's stand together and we will pray together. God, we thank you. God, we thank you that as we come before you in prayer daily, asking that that we will find you and that you will find us. God, as we come before you in an attitude of absolute surrender, asking. And church, just get a picture of that in your mind. Just perhaps all of us on our knees with our hands out, just asking in surrender, coming before God and asking. God, we know that you will answer us, that you will show us what we need to know. You'll show us the things that we're asking you about. God, you'll show us how to move in our community. You'll show us how to move in our ministry. You'll show us how to move in the lives of those around us. And you'll show us how to move in our finances as we come before you in that attitude of surrender and asking. God, thank you for always being there for us. Thank you for always answering when we ask you. God, thank you for caring so much about us. Thank you for loving us so much. God, I just ask this morning that that you will continue to show yourself to us, that you will show us how to love, that you will show us how to reach out to those around us. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your heart, for the way that you love us and for the example that you are to us, how to love one another in your name. God, we thank you for the service this morning, for everything that will happen for the way that you are speaking to our hearts and our minds. And God, as we surrender ourselves again to you, we know, God, that you will show us what we need to know this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace. God, we thank you that you hold us. God, when we're good, we're not good we know what's happening and we don't know what's happening God you know everything and we can trust you God in the good and the bad in between God you hold us and Lord Jesus I pray this morning that we might know that grace like never before we might know that you hold us like never before God we thank you for your presence amongst us this morning. 
God, wherever we find ourselves this morning, spread across Sale and Gippsland, God, your presence with us, uniting us, causing our hearts to sing, our lives to reflect your goodness and your glory. God, we pray that you might speak to us this morning, encourage us with your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, please grab a seat. Good morning to those online and in the home hubs this morning. It's great to have you with us. Great to have people in the building as well. Great to have a baptism this morning. What a good morning it is to be a part of SBC. It's good. It's really good. And we had our, um, I don't know if Jack mentioned this, but we had a members meeting during the week. Um, And so we've passed a budget for next year. Um, There's minutes and exciting things happening next year. Exciting things happening beyond sale next year, and if you missed the members' meeting, I'm not going to. You're going to have to find someone who went there and um, find out what's happening next year because there's cool stuff happening. Um, but let me invite Emily's going to come up and join me. We're going to give her a certificate, prove that it was real. We're going to pray for her. I'm sure that when the first century disciples baptized people, they gave them certificates. I'm pretty sure that was in Acts somewhere. Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. So, congratulations, Emily. Um, why don't we stand and let's? We're going to pray for Emily. Um, you know, whenever someone makes a, a bold declaration of faith like this or a bold step like this, the enemy's always out to uh, to throw everything he can um, to to hinder faith and to hinder the next step. So, we want to really pray for, for Emily's protection um, and to commit ourselves to continue to pray for her and the family um, as they continue in this journey of faith. So, God, we thank you for Emily, and we thank you for this bold step that she has made this morning of declaring her faith in you. God, and we thank you for her testimony of one that's drawing her heart towards you, towards a relationship with you. And, God, we just pray this morning that as she steps out and continues to to take steps of faith, God, that your Holy Spirit might empower her and fill her to, to be courageous in her faith, to be able to trust you in whatever circumstance she might find herself. And, and God, we pray, um, especially for her and Tim and the family, God, as they continue to walk out their faith in you, that you would continue to guard them, guard their marriage and their family. And God, we pray that you would go before them in every situation. And uh, we just thank you for your grace upon Emily and her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll give Emily a hand. It's fantastic. Awesome. Do you know that there's other exciting news this week um, for a young couple in our, fam- in our church family, Ebony and Brock, who's not here this morning. I can't see him. He's luscious locks. He's normally floating around somewhere, but he's not here this morning. Um, but Ebony and Brock are getting married on Saturday. Um, and if you haven't had the privilege of knowing em- Ebony and Brock, did I say Emily before? Emily, Ebony. Whew. That's a lot for my brain to handle. There's not much happening up here. Um, Ebony and Brock, um, if you haven't had the privilege of knowing them and getting to know them, then, um, I mean, they're an integral part of our church. They serve in our youth team and and so much more, and they have a huge influence amongst our young people and young adults. So we're going to be praying for you. I'm going to actually pray for them right now. Um, um, You might not be a part of the, the wedding or the ceremony, but we want to know that we want them to know that we're praying for, for Ebony and Brock as they take this step of faith, um, as they commit their lives to each other and to God um, on Saturday. It's going to be a, a special day and a special moment. So let's pray for, for Ebony and Brock as well. 
Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your grace and we do thank you for um, your goodness in our life and we thank you for Ebony's faith and Brock's faith and for the way that you've drawn them both um, towards yourself and towards relationship with you. We thank you for the influence and the, the service they have amongst SPC, especially amongst our youth and our young adults. And, and God, we pray that as they make this step next Saturday, God, that you might bless every moment of it, that you might um, surround them with um, their friends and their family, that you might surround them with your, your Holy Spirit. And God, as they step into a new season of their relationship and a new season of their life, God, that you might go before them. You might strengthen uh, their marriage from day one and to, to be cemented in, in you and the things and the plans that you have for them. And so, God, we pray the uh, protection over them, their marriage, and um, all that's to come. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Lots of exciting things happening in the life of church. It's good. And apparently it's summer this week. I don't know if you can sense the warm weather. But apparently it's summer starting this week, so that's all. I mean, I love summer, I love the warm weather, but apparently it's coming. We can be praying for that too. Anyway, Titus chapter 3, we are in our last week of a three-week series in Titus. Hands up if this is the first time you've heard anything about Titus. Did you? Alexis Ingram. I mean, um, no. <laughs> Week three, Titus. Um, we've been talking about this idea of living in the world, but not of the world. Living in the world, but not of the world. Uh, and in week one, we talked about how that plays out in the church. And uh, the, it talks predominantly about the elders and leaders and people of example and how they are to live out and the importance of their character and who they are. Uh, and, and what happens in their home, it, it really talks about this idea of, of character being more important than competency. You don't, talk, you don't see them being told, make sure they're a good preacher or make sure they're a good manager or make sure they're this high or, or whatever. You know, it's really about who they are, their character, how they manage their home and things like that. Uh, in week two, we looked more about that idea of the home dynamic in relationships, um, how we are to treat each other, how we are to fulfil the roles as older men, older women, younger men, younger women, slaves, or people with um, authority over them. Um, and just the, the idea of self-control, the consistency was really highlighted in, in chapter 2. And we use this phrase, how we spend our days is how we live our life. How we spend our days is how we live our life. The things that we do every day is how we spend our life. I mean, it's not rocket science, but sometimes we need those um, simple reminders living consistently with self-control and through that we will influence others greatly and then today we're going to get to chapter three and we're going to look at how we are to live out our faith in society or in the community how do we live out our faith especially amongst a non-christian um, world that's where crate was located where that's where titus was located as a as a pastor of of um, churches and paul was writing to titus in in crate to crete crate I always say that wrong. Crete. Crete? Tomato, tomato, whatever. Is that how you say it? I don't know. Anyway, Titus 3. That little island in the Mediterranean. That's what I'm talking about anyway, if you can't figure out my pronunciation. Titus chapter 3. Let's read the whole thing and then we'll, um, we'll dive in. 
says this, remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. But when the kindness of God, our Saviour, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. Through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, he poured out his Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Saviour, so that, having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone, but avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law, because they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a divisive person after a first and second warning. For you know that such a person has gone astray and is sinning. He is self-condemned. When I send Artemis and Tychius to you, make every effort to come to me in Nicopolis because I have decided to spend winter there. Diligently help Zenus, the lawyer of Apollos, on their journey so that they will lack nothing. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, to pressing needs, so that they will not be unfruitful. All of those who are with me send you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word and we thank you that you want to speak to us again this morning with your truth and by your Holy Spirit. And God, we pray that you might give us the ears and the heart to listen and to respond to you in faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't know when, if you were younger, you used to like pray, play practical jokes on people. I feel like when you're young, you, um, you do things that you wouldn't, you, you might look back on and go, I wouldn't do that today. But when you're young, it just was funny. Um, and, and you might be one of those adults like I am now, and you see young people pra- playing practical jokes on each other, and you think, tss, 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 how immature of them. <laughs> oh, I hope they never do that to me and get really upset and angry. Anyway, we're, not, we're very fun adults in this room, aren't we? We can take a joke. Anyway, when I was younger, I remember um, if we went out to a Chinese restaurant, um, and they had those, you know, the bottles of soy sauce on the middle of the table and someone ordered a Coke and they went up to go to the toilet. You would tip out the Coke or, or maybe tip out half it and fill the rest up with soy sauce. Anyone ever do that? Just me, yeah. <laughs> didn't want to be my friend. Maybe that's why I didn't have many friends. No. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I remember I had this done to me once as well. I mean, so... I wasn't just the giver, I was a receiver of these practical jokes. Um, and anyway, you know, um, when you have that, that first drink, your brain takes a bit to work out what's happened because when you are going to eat something or drink something and you think, I know what this is, or, or I know what I'm expecting, and then it's not what you're expecting, it take, your brain is like going, something's not right here. Like, and it, it takes a while for it to figure out, oh, it's the drink that's not right. It's the taste of the drink that's not right. Um, I know even at, um, at school when you had a sandwich and you told yourself, oh, this is a peanut butter sandwich, and then you bite into it and it's honey, and you think, oh, 
like I'm conf- my brain maybe my brain is just um, you're just all looking at me like Brad you need help I know <laughs> anyway um, it takes a while for your brain to catch up onto what has happened it was like different to what you're expecting and I think sometimes in our walk and in our life in our community people have this expectation of what a Christian is and then they see one or they see a group of Christians they go oh it's just different to what I thought it was Um, or we have in our own minds of what Christians should be like and then we see someone who professes to be a Christian we think oh it's just different to what I and it takes a while for us to put these things together Um, and it's sort of like not false advertising but it it can lead people in a way that's not helpful Um, for some of us as Christians we might be hesitant to say something like if everyone should be a Christian because it would make the world a better place. Because sometimes we look around and we see Christians saying and doing things in the name of faith and we think, oh, maybe it's not helpful. Like if everyone did that, it wouldn't be helpful. Um, But Christian living should be attractive. It should be community transformational. And it should win people to the gospel. It should be that if the whole world was Christian, the world would definitely be a better place. If the world was Christian, the, the world would be a better place. It would be more generous. It would be more caring. It would be more selfless. It would be more kind. It would just be a better place. And so with that in mind, I want us to look at this chapter and think about is the way that we're living, is the way that we're living out our faith attractive to those around us and transformational in the way it should be? And is it making the world a better place? The theme of this chapter that I want to emphasize this morning is real simple, four words. It's this, devoted to good works. Devoted to good works. You see this a few times through this chapter, this phrase, devoted to good works. In in verse 1, it says, be ready for every good work. Um, And then a little later on in verse 8, it says, devote themselves to good works. And then later on, at the end, in verse 14, it says, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. You see this phrase, devoted, or for good works. And I want to spend most of our time this morning just on the first two verses, just on the first two verses, and then we'll fly through the rest. So don't freak out when we get to 15 minutes in and it's like, Brad, two out of 15 verses. Come on, I've got lunch, I've got kids. So, let's have a look. Verses 1 and 2. It says, Remind them to submit to rules and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. There's six things here, I think, that Paul highlights of what it is to be living in the world but not of the world when it comes to living it out in society, when living it out in community. The first one is this, submissive. It says this, Submit to rules and authorities to obey. To submit to rules and authorities. And we've talked a little bit about this over the last few weeks of what it is to have an attitude or a heart that is submissive to authorities over us, of rules over us. Because we all have different rules and authorities over us. We all do. And we all have good ones and we all have bad ones. But there is no qualification here of what sort of rules and authorities you are to submit to and you are to obey. It's just a blanket. Submit, 
to all rulers and authorities. For some of us in our time, when we look at the different authorities over our life, we look at maybe government, um, and different people in government, and we think, I don't know if I could submit myself to that person or, or this person because I don't agree with this or that. Submission and um, obedience to rules and authorities does not mean you agree with everything they're being, you're being asked to do. I want you to think to when this letter was written. Paul writes to Titus in the first century when you've got um, Caesars, and at this time Nero was the Caesar, and what the first century government was like, how they were treating people and how they were treating especially Christians. You would much rather be living today than then, let me put it that way. They were not treating Christians kindly. They were impaling Christians. They were burning Christians just for being Christians, just because they didn't like them. And this was the first century government that Paul writes this phrase to. I mean, if there was ever a time to say, you know what, now's the time, let's not submit anymore to rules and authorities, they're not treating us nicely, this, would have, where, this is where you would have found it. This is the context you would have found it. But instead, Paul writes, you know what, they're not treating you nicely, but I still want you to submit. This is how we are going to stand out. This is how we are to live out our faith and how it is to be attractive to those around you. This is how we are to live different. We don't rise up against, but we submit to authority. We submit to government, we submit to bosses, to teachers, maybe to leaders in ministry, maybe to your parents, for some of us. We submit, we do what is asked. And we only don't if it goes against what God is asking us to do. We submit. And this helps our witness. It helps our going. It's how Jesus ultimately lived. You look through the Gospels and you see the way that Jesus lived. He didn't praise the government. He didn't praise the authorities. He didn't say, they're doing the best thing. They're doing the great thing. But neither did he condemn them. Neither did he go around bad-mouthing them or saying, you know what, let's just do this or do that. Submissive. The second thing he talks about, Paul talks about to Titus, is he says to be ready for every good work. Ready to do good. Sort of like this idea of being on the edge of your seat looking for opportunities to do good to others. On the edge of your seat looking, how, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I be generous? What needs can I see? What needs can I hear about? And how can I be ready to do a good work? This will demonstrate love to others and leave them scratching their heads in some way because there's no other motivation behind it other than love. It's not like, I'm going to help them because I might get something back in return. I'm just going to be on the edge of my seat ready to do good works. Ready to do good works. Then it goes on to say, to not slander or to slander no one. To slander no one. Or another way you might put this is to speak well. To speak well. It's easy to talk badly about people. It's maybe too easy to do that. It's easy to get caught up in a conversation, maybe at work or amongst friends, maybe even in the foyer, and just start 
this conversation starts turning not uplifting but oh did you hear what that person did or they're not doing this very well or especially when they're not in the conversation and that's really what this idea of slander is about is when they're not around when this person is not around when this group is not around it's easy to speak badly especially in our Australian context I think it's even exaggerated probably more so than it was in the first century because in our Australian context and culture it is just cultural to slander people to pull people down and we do it in the name of like sarcasm and joking but it should be done it should be like Christians should be like no we're going to speak well we're not going to slander people. we're not going to tear people down we're going to build people up it's easy to find fault because we all have them you know what, when we find ourselves slandering other people, people are probably slandering us as well because we're all sinners. We've all got problems with us. We've all got things that aren't perfect. And so let's just decide to be people that don't slander, that speak well of people, that build people up, that edifies people. Don't let anything bad out of your mouth. Don't let anything out of your mouth that isn't going to build up. Don't slander, build up instead. And then he goes on and says... To avoid fighting. He's going, to, he's going to come back to this in a few verses' time later on in chapter 3. But it's pretty simple. Instead of fighting, I mean, the, the opposite of to, to, to fighting is really um, this idea of humility. Because fighting comes from this place of needing to be right, needing to be heard, needing to be the one who's got the answer or the correct perception or the correct uh, viewpoint on life and whatever it is that we're talking about. But instead he says, avoid fighting. And we must instead practice humility. Humility doesn't mean you have no conviction. doesn't mean you just bow down to what everyone else's opinion is. But it means you just avoid fighting. Just like, I'm not going to fight about it. I'm not going to argue about it. It means to listen more than you speak. It means to use two ears and one mouth in proportion. Love as best you can. Why? Because you can't fight someone into the kingdom. You can't. You can't fight someone into the kingdom of God. It won't work. But you can love them in. You can love them in. And remember, this is why we're doing this. We're doing this because we want to live out our faith in society. We want the world to be a better place. We avoid fighting. Then it says to be kind. Without qualification, be kind. To those you like and to those that you don't like. To those that are like you and those that aren't like you. To the rich and poor, to men and women, to slaves and free, regardless of anything that qualifies someone or anything that identifies someone. Be kind. Be kind. I mean, there's not anything more to say, just be kind. And then he says, always showing gentleness to all people. And again, this is countercultural because it puts others first. It echoes the idea of humility of, of behind avoid fighting. And humility is um, really about putting others above yourself. If you want a definition of humility, go read Philippians chapter 2. Just read the whole chapter and you'll get a good idea of what humility is really about. 
Humility is about putting the needs of others above your own. Humility is about um, thinking about others more than you think about yourself. Humble people think about others more than they think about themselves. And we live in a world that does the opposite and preaches the opposite message to that. We live in a world and a culture that says you are to think about yourself first. What's right for you? What's right for you? Self-care, do what you want, live your best life. All these things, all these messages are just like echoing and um, amplified in our culture today. And they can put us above everybody else in our own minds. But humility does the opposite. Humility puts others first. Because why? Because if we all do that, the world is a better place. The world is a better place. If we don't put ourselves first, this is the message that we hear, if we don't put ourselves first, we will suffer. And Jesus flips this on its head and says, others first, you second. Not to the neglect of yourself, but the opposite. Love others as you love yourself. Love others as you love yourself. So the desire and the love that you have for yourself to have a good life, the love and the desire you have for yourself to, to be healthy, to be um, comfortable, to whatever it is that you love and desire for yourself, that love and desire you have for yourself, have for others as well. Have for others. Be devoted to good works is the bottom line of these first two verses. Be devoted to good works. And Paul says this, remind them at the start. This is the first two words of the chapter, remind them. So it's not like they haven't heard this before. It's not like, all right, we just do this once. We just tell people once. We tell ourselves this once and then we go on our merry way and we focus on other things. We're going to see this at the end of the chapter as well. It's going to be this um, reminding, reminding, um, because we need to hear this constantly. Because if we don't hear it constantly, we revert back to selfishness and quarrelling and, um, and all the opposite things to what we just listed. This is how we are to live out our faith in a society that isn't Christian, that doesn't follow the, the way of Jesus. To, we stand out, not by being loud, but by being different, by embodying Jesus in all that we say, in all that we do, and all that we think. In verse 3, Paul goes on to give us a bit of why do we do this? Well, the first reason he gives us is we do this because we once were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. I mean, these are strong words. And you might think, yourself, I was never like that. Speak for yourself, Paul. I was never like that. But we were. In your sin, you were all these things far worse without Jesus you know, I think it's in Isaiah without uh, his righteousness um, without him all our righteous acts are like filthy rags we are we are all sinners saved by grace we can do nothing good apart from him why do we live different because we know where we have come from even those that have been uh, of us that have been Christian maybe our whole life we know with Jesus we'd be hopelessly lost destined to an eternity without God. And because of his grace, he saved us and transformed us so we don't have to live like that anymore. 
He goes on in verses 4 to 7, he says, When the kindness of God our Saviour and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of, and, of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, he poured out his, his Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. And so because of the gospel, we can live differently. Because of the gospel, we can be devoted to good works. Notice here it says, we are saved not by works of righteousness. So this devotion to good works is not um, so, that we are, so that we are Christians because we are Christians. Not so we become Christian, but because we are Christian, we can live like this. We can be devoted to good works. Not to earn our way towards anything, but because we have been freed to live like Jesus without any fear of punishment. We live different because we know whose we are and we know who we are. It doesn't make us who we are. Being, a, being devoted to good works doesn't make you a Christian. Just like barking doesn't make you a dog. Only when you are justified can you live like it. Well, think of it this way. A prisoner in a prison can live free all he likes. He can pretend he's free all he likes. He can even say to all the prisoners around him, I'm free. I'm not, I'm not in prison. And he might even get to a point where he actually believes that he is. And he's convinced some prisoners around him that he is actually free. But it's not until he steps outside that prison that he goes, oh, now I'm free. And then he can actually live like he's free. He can only pretend to live like he's free when he's in prison. He can't actually be free. And in the same way, when we are freed by the power of the gospel, we can actually live free. We can pretend all we like without Jesus. And we can pretend to be a Christian all we like, but without him, without his redemption, it's only pretending. It's only when, um, when we're freed in reality that we can live freely without needing to prove it to anybody. Verses 8 to 11, we're almost there. This saying is trustworthy. He sort of goes back to what he was talking about in the first two verses here. He, he picks up on a few of these themes and repeats them saying, this saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things. Or, or another translation, I think, says, I want you to remind them on these things. It's this idea of bring this up a lot. Say this regularly, not just once. So that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for Everyone. Everyone. But avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels and disputes about the law because they are unprofitable and worthless. And you might put in brackets there, for everyone. Reject a divisive person after a first and second warning for you know that such a person has gone astray and is sinning. He is self-condemned. I mean, if there was a relevant word for us today, would this not be it? I don't even need to say anything. Like This is not me telling you my opinion. This is just straight words from God's Word. And you can interpret this with the Holy Spirit's help, you know, as, however you like. But I mean, there's, it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear in what it says and how it says it. Devote yourselves to one thing and avoid something else. Devote yourselves to the good works. Avoid quarreling, fighting, disputes about the law, genealogies. 
I mean, I, I don't find too many find myself in too many debates about genealogies these days, but if you ever do, just avoid them. Just say, actually, have you read Titus 3? We're not supposed to talk about this. No matter your political preference, vaccination preference, parenting preference, clothing preference, music preference, the list goes on and on and on. Just avoid foolish debates. They are unprofitable. Don't argue about things that don't matter in eternity. Just leave it. Instead, devote yourself to good works. This idea of devotion gives us this idea of give all your attention. Give all of your attention to good works. Devoted to good works. When you are devoted to good works, you have to avoid the other things. Because all of your attention is on this. And when all of my attention is devoted to good works, I can't enter into these because I'm, then I'm taking my devotion away from where it should be. Devoted to good works, avoiding debates, genealogies, quarrels and disputes. It's so clear where our focus should be and where it shouldn't be. Imagine if Christians lived like this. Imagine if we all lived like this, devoted to good works. Eternity-focused, gospel-focused. This is how we live in the world, but not of the world. He finishes up with a few greetings and one more emphasis again on devoted to good works. And let our people devote themselves to good works for pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. And so this is the bottom line of Titus. Live in the world, but not of the world. And we do this by consistency in our life. And through chapter 2, we talked about this, how we spend our days is how we spend our life. Consistently doing the things, being the person that God has called us to be. We practice self-discipline. And then we are devoted to good works in the community, in society, for everyone to see the goodness of Jesus. We live devoted to good works and an avoidance of meaningless arguments and disputes. For me, Titus has been such an encouragement of how we are to live our faith out. At home, in the close relationships that we have with different people, and then at, in larger context in community. And I think if we can grab hold of this, especially in today's culture, the difference and the influence it might have on those around us would be huge. You can't argue someone into the kingdom, but you can love them. It's the kindness and goodness of God that leads people to repentance. And so I want to encourage you to, to take note of what Paul says to Titus, living in this really pagan culture, that we can take so much out of this little letter that Paul writes. So much encouragement, so much challenge, so much practical application to our own life and our own faith. I'd encourage you to pray through it, to read through it again. There's so much that I wasn't, I wasn't able to bring out. But I encourage you to, to spend some time meditating on it, thinking about it, praying about it, and let the Holy Spirit transform your own life through his living word. Let's pray together as we finish.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that it is able to teach us. It's able to challenge us. It's able to transform us. God, I thank you that it is life to our bones. And God, I pray that in times we find ourselves distracted from what we should be thinking about, distracted from how we should be living. God, we might be reminded by your Holy Spirit to be devoted to the the good works that you have for us. The good works that you've prepared in advance for us to do. The plan that you have for our life. God, help us to stay focused on that, on the things that matter for eternity. God, we want to be a people, Christians, that love people into your kingdom, that show people Jesus, that show people the gospel, the transformational power of the gospel in our own life. So God, would you help us by your Holy Spirit to do that, to be that, and to live that. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.